This is iFanboy Special Edition Reign of the Superman. Special edition iFanboy show, Reign of the Superman. I'm Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm joined by Paul Montgomery. Hello. And Ryan Haupt. Hello. We're the Animation Brain Trust. We are. We try. And we're back discussing the first uh, new DC animated film in 2019, the second part. Their first... No, it's not the first two-parter. They did the other one, two-parter. Their first remake two-parter, I guess, is the way you can describe it. Reign of the Superman is a sequel to the death of Superman we talked about last uh, in the last year. This was another long one. Here's a spoiler warning. Spoilers for the movie. Or the comic book, if you haven't read the comic book from 30 yeah, years ago. Sure. <laughs> so this is another long one. It's almost an hour and a half. It's just shy of an hour and a half. We're at feature length at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's the same team from last time, the same voice cast. It's, it's part two. Yeah, it's just, it's just more of that. So the last film ended with, with Superman fighting Doomsday. They both died. This film picks up. It's been Superman's been dead for a little while, and suddenly, on the scene are four new super beings: Steel, Cyborg Superman, the Eradicator, and Superboy. And then the fallout from there. I think, if I recall correctly, we we liked the death of Superman. I, I remember I really liked it. Yes. Yeah. Was Ryan on the fence? I think I was on the fence, but I don't remember why. Just being Ryan. I guess. People want variety, in our opinions. My overall thought was that much like the first part, I thought this was terrific, and I think taken together, it's a really interesting and complex story that's unlike most of these films they make. Yeah, it's it's really ambitious, mm-hmm. and not just because it's a it's a two parter. I mean, even within the individual movies, yes, um, the individual halves, it's super ambitious. There's some really impressive and really novel streamlining of the original event yep which also happened in now you mentioned this was this is a remake because the first dc animated original movie or whatever they were called back then, <laughs> they've gone through different rebrandings <laughs> was a a very streamlined version of uh the death and rebirth of superman right that one didn't have Superboy. It just it sort of had a version of like Eradicator. It, it was basically. almost like yeah, Bizarro Eradicator. Right. Yeah. The imperfect clone idea. Yeah. Right. They did involve some cloning stuff. There was the Fortress of Solitude and like the robots that worked in the Fortress of Solitude, and really focusing more on the Doomsday aspect, and mm-hmm. then uh, even and that was that was just a that was one feature that wasn't split into two so with this longer runtime and even the individual halves are longer than the usual it's about three uh, hours animated movies yeah so this whole thing it feels big it feels very ambitious they went all out with the ensemble cast like you you have a sense of all the players in metropolis so 
you know, Superman obviously has a has a big role in this. There are multiple Supermen, um, but then also Lois has a lot more to do than she usually does, and that was one of the high points for me. A lot of room to breathe in this. A lot of room to breathe. Lex is a big deal in this. Lex is terrific in this. Yeah, he's one of my favorite parts. And when I'm talking about complex, that's one of the the things. Because with Lex, to me, is the most interesting when he's not a pure bad guy. Right. When there's some good in him, and here, obviously. He ends up helping the heroes. I don't think Lex is not a bad guy. He is a bad guy, but he's most interesting. Uses mercy as a human shield. Right, right. He's definitely a bad guy, but when he has just a little hint, a sousant of good, (laughs) then that's what's interesting about him. Sure. You know, we've talked about on our Pick of the Week show, he essentially wishes he was Superman. So when he gets a chance to actually do it, and didn't this happen at the end of the Justice League cartoon where he got to sort of team up with Superman to fight Darkseid? Yes. This is very similar in that Unlike in the comics, it's revealed here that Darkseid is behind some of this. So he, he's using Cyborg Superman as his vessel to invade Earth. And I, I really like those scenes where yes. Darkseid was coming through Cyborg Superman. He kept hallucinating or seeing Apocalypse or Darkseid in the crowd or wherever. That was a great moment. That was one of the, my favorite parts. And so Darkseid's trying to use Superman's death and, and the chaos surrounding it to to invade and... I just love everything around Lex in this, in this film. I didn't mind the dark side stuff, but I did feel... I wish that we had Mongol, just because I like Mongol. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, the guy who's pulling the strings for the Cyborg Superman in the original yes, comic right. version. Right. But I thought he did some interesting reinterpretations with some of the Apocalyptian stuff. I liked that the boom tubes could kind of collapse in a really interesting way. That actually threw me for a second, because I wasn't used to them being sort of used as a weapon almost. Mm-hmm. Right. Where you can, I mean, it wasn't intentional, but it was basically almost like a really destructive throwing disc, for lack of a better term. That was an interesting take on the boom tube. And it made sense to set up the the crisis in the final act with the people who had been working as sort of the Superman robot people. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was a cool twist on it. You guys are talking about how this is a complex movie, and for me, it felt like a more adult movie than they made previously, and not... Because they, for a while, they were trying to do adult by having blood splatter and saying bastard. You know, I'm right. like, okay, that's fine. But this like actually. Flashpoint was. Yeah. I, I remember being particularly, like, really try hard in terms of quote unquote maturity. But, but yeah, here in this, this one, movie, we have, mm-hmm. like, Lois and Wonder Woman getting together to talk about their feelings regarding Superman, which felt like a very adult conversation. That was my favorite scene, the two of them yeah. meeting. And I guess Lois finding out that Wonder Woman and Superman had, had a thing at some point And. One woman saying she doesn't make friends very easily, and I thought that was a terrific scene. You don't normally get between those two characters, number one, but also number two, in these films, this is what the three-hour runtime between the two films gets you, is you get to have scenes like that. The story really gets to breathe with these characters. You get to have a quiet scene in a bar with the two of them, and or at the diner. It was Bibbo's diner, wasn't it? It's Bibbo. It's Bibbo's yeah. seafood joint. Did, yeah. you like the, did you like the Linda Carter spin move? I did, actually. I did like that. Okay, that kind of took me out of it a little bit, but I was like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> there was like a lightning strike at the end of it. Shazam. Paul, I didn't mean to derail your summation no. of the great characters, but you had a lot of great supporting cast work, although I didn't really love this version of Perry White, that sort of nonsensical millennial joke no, was weird. No, yeah, that really fell flat for me. I, in fact, I had to rewind it because I thought I would missed the joke. I was like, why did he just... This isn't making sense. All right, we'll move on. Ryan, what you said about how they sort of reimagined, I thought they did a really elegant job of... Staying truthful to the overall story of the 
character of this story, the overall 90s version of it. I liked the 90s nods, the idea that Superboy was raised on 90s sitcom, so he had 90s jokes, which made sense in the context of the story. They stayed true to the mullet. When Superman came back, he had the mullet. Yes, they did. But within the framework that they've been doing these continued shared stories in this, you know, with these characters and these voice actors in this, in the continu- in continuity stories, I think they did a good job of making this story fit into that world while also pushing it forward. We had a post credit sequence in which, you know, they're getting ready to fight uh, Apocalypse. So I think they took this story, made it work within the framework of what they've already been doing and were able to, I thought it was interesting that Darkseid was more like a MacGuffin than anything. He wasn't really there to invade. He was there to be prevented from invading. He's basically what they've been doing with uh, Thanos in the Marvel right. Studios movies up right. until Infinity War. Well, right. sort of what they were trying to do with Darkseid in the Justice League movie. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it didn't work. I'll tell you another thing I saw in this that I'd never seen before that I thought was clever. Motherbox jumper cables. So at one yeah, point it was interesting. Like, yeah, because usually the Motherbox just kind of does whatever it does, and there's not a lot of tactility to it. But I don't like that they're tactile. getting so big. They are getting very big. You're supposed to be able to hold them in your hand, like a smartphone. But now they're getting to yeah, be no. like bucket I like, sized. I like the fact that you go back and read those old Kirby comics, and everyone is using essentially a smartphone. You know, 40 years before anyone would, <laughs> would right. think to happen. Now they're a big Texas belt buckle. <laughs> so I thought the Justice League was handled well in here. You know, they're they're taken off the board by the fermented boom tube, but mm-hmm. when they were in it, they were fun. I thought they were a little more looser than normal. I really enjoy Nathan Fillion's Green Lantern. I, I know that that's like obvious. Like nerd says he likes Nathan Fillion in nerd thing. Like mm-hmm. yes, but I just think it really does work really well. I mean, for me, and I think he had more time to shine in the previous film, but Nyambe Nyambe as uh, Martian Manhunter. Yeah. That was a real interesting choice. And, and, and I uh, have a question about that. And their character design also is, is pretty cool. So is, is John Jones actually just married to the president? Because at no point, like, yes, he's clearly, it's his human form that he, you know, then morphs out of to join the fight. But at no point do they ever say, oh, he was doing that just to be undercover for this event. Like, I think he might just be the first lady. Maybe. Or the first dude. First guy. First, I, I, I read him as, like, the vice president or something. First, or... The first non-gendered Martian presidential consort. It's a long acronym. Well, the Secret Service will come up with something. He's in deep undercover. It's a it's an ongoing thing. <laughs> <laughs> he had to really start a long time ago, way back in high school. So that's how the deep state works, man. The thing about Green Lantern is it's interesting that you know they toned down the Flash's costume a bit, so our, the the highlighted portions look almost like a a sheen on his costume instead of lines. But Green Lantern still has those terrible shoulder lights, and they've even got rid of those in the comics, but they still persist here. That's the only thing that keeps me from totally loving this version who's great i mean I, I would love a green lantern flash road movie with these two versions of them because they are really fun together mm. okay yeah i thought they were really good I, like one woman was really great the whole use of them was good as they were sort of in the background really got us time to focus on the main four who i thought were really interesting i mean eradicator starts off as sort of the bad guy but you realize soon enough that it's really cyborg superman and i love steel i've always loved steel i thought he was great yeah. here yeah. Terrible at maintaining a secret identity. Well, John Henry Irons. Yeah. Played by Cress Williams, I believe, also plays Black Lightning on TV. Mm-hmm. Also, I really like Superboy. I like that he's a YouTube influencer. He does <laughs> unboxing videos. They needed to give him a Which slightly is, more exactly, views, that's though. That's how you update him. That's yeah. how you update Superboy for today. 
okay, it's it's kind of a cheesy joke, but I, I prefer that stuff to the aforementioned uh, Perry White scene that mm-hmm. you talked about, where it's okay, we're gonna talk about it's 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 sort of I don't know, it's become a cliche, not just in these animated movies, but in in the comics as well, where everybody's got to comment on the fact that yep, we've still got a newspaper and it's you know it's 2019. I thought about that too because it, it's an ongoing thing in the Superman comics, and right. I don't think I need that lesson being hit. Also, there are a lot of really successful newspapers that are being run right now. <laughs> yes, it's not like it doesn't happen. There's very important work being done by newspapers yeah. right now. <laughs> if the Daily Planet is basically the New York Times of this world, then it's okay. Sure. It doesn't need to constantly be talking about how it's in trouble. It, yeah, it just seems like whenever a new creative team comes on to Superman, like they feel like they have to mention that. Yeah. Or they have to, you know, like, or I mean, and this is this has been going on for a very long time. And there was the point where Superman became more of a TV news reporter right. than a newspaper reporter. In the 70s. In the seventies, sure, yeah. and so it it. But I was just like, guys, just let it be a newspaper, and yeah, just don't worry about it. It takes away from the story. I mean, yeah. you, don't, you don't have to justify. There are literally papers on my desk right now. <laughs> they break news all the time. Just let them do that and not worry about it. I really liked Superboy and Steel. Once they sort of teamed up, and and then the inevitable return of Superman himself. I just I just really liked the characters together. I think I think Lois and uh, John Henry Irons make for a cool team up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, just like yep. them. Just like it's, you know, there there's so many balls in the air that you know we we can't track them the entire way through the movie. They kind of you know come in and and out of each other's orbits. But uh, when they were teamed up, I really liked that. Yeah, and also the the Lex Lois antagonism, yeah, is, was good in this as well. Mm-hmm. I found I I think more cyborg Superman. Than Hank Henshaw himself, mm-hmm. a really compelling villain. And yes. I think if there was a little bit more track laid, they could have done like Hank Henshaw could have been more compelling himself. As it is, he's just kind of like this this widower who's pissed off at Superman about you know his his wife being gone and his team being gone. Because they keep the the you know the spaceship thing, they streamline his storyline, mm-hmm. but almost too much, to the point where he's just a Hank Henshaw himself, the Patrick Fabian part, who's on Apocalypse, is just this raving lunatic who yeah. wants revenge against Superman, and it's it. There's an extent to which, I don't know how many seeds were planted in the previous film because I didn't watch that since it came out, mm-hmm. but it felt like this guy came out of nowhere and just has this mad on for Superman. But the stuff with Cyborg Superman, like one of my favorite scenes was when he goes to visit Lois on the balcony. It's got those notes of Superman, the motion picture. Yeah, I mean, Lois um, is wearing the same outfit. It's the same Margo. outfit, right? It's it's, it's obviously yeah. like, you know, an homage there. And, you know, the uh, I like pink very much Lois. Um, it's just an iconic Superman scene and a Superman Lois scene. And uh, with this, I liked that you know, I wasn't sure how close they were going to go to the original story. And like, so I actually had sympathy for Superman there because as presented, it was like, oh, this is part of Kal-El and uh, being reformatted into a cyborg. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't entirely sure they were going the Hank Henshaw angle. So I found that really believable and really tragic. And he's like, the way you look at me like I'm a monster they played that really straight. So it feels like this ultimate betrayal later when he says, so that, that, that fact finding mission I had, the most important thing I learned when I talked to you on the balcony 
you know, it was this like, so he was just playing her there. Mm-hmm. And so when, when he reveals that later on, you're like, man, you dick. And like, you, you know, you tricked her, you, you were playing on her emotions and stuff. So that final confrontation between not just Superman and cyborg Superman, but Lois as well on the satellite was fascinating. And, and I thought really, really compelling for a, a third act. Yeah. You know, both of these films were released to theaters as a double feature. That must be the reason why. No, I thought noticeably better animated, mm-hmm. better written, better directed. I mean, it just, it just felt like these movies were like a little step above the normal fare. The normal fare, which I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. But I found myself really watching this. Get, wow, this is, the, the animation here is really good. And it's really well written. It's really interesting. And it's complex. And it's subtle in a lot of ways. In ways that you normally, you know, they're trying to do a whole story in 70 minutes and cram a lot in. And sometimes it works really well, sometimes it doesn't. But this felt really felt like they really were gonna gonna try to ride this into some sort of mainstream success. So I remember the the first one, if you recall, the original Superman Doomsday film was by far the most successful of these in terms of sales. So maybe they're hoping to replicate that again, or maybe they're hoping to get some buzz from the screenings at the theaters. I mean, also they really I put mean, it all into this one. I think these two. Think about how different the landscape is since then, yes. since they put out that movie. And what's changed, not just for DC, but for superhero as a as a genre, <laughs> you know, right. um, as as a pop culture thing, and it's it's entirely different. It's a, it's it's a whole different set of milestones to hit, and it's it's a, it's a whole different benchmark that you have to go for. And and so, I'm curious as to like this. This feels like a a new chapter either the end of something or the beginning of something with with them and plus the um the DC universe stuff. Well that's what's interesting about it was that it was it was immediately available on the DC universe app. Right. So like I got, I bought the Blu-rays that I always do and I watched that in preparation but then today at work I just had it on in the background again on my app. I guess the first one must be on there too I didn't look. I mean it was right there front and center. Got to be. So if you're interested at all and you're on that app you should definitely check it out. So it's interesting that it sort of it was sort of a multi-platform drop. Mm-hmm. It comes out like in digital early, as it always does. But then it comes out in Blu-ray, and when it came out on Blu-ray, it was immediately available also on DC Universe. So that was interesting. Not well. not on not streaming on Amazon though. You can't rent it. Not anymore. Yeah. So like the previous one, you could, but this one, I you know went the day of and uh, was going to rent it through that because that's what I usually do, and it wasn't available there. And actually, a lo- there are a lot of um, negative reviews on the Blu-ray because people just want to get the digital download right. and so it's available on itunes which is how i watched it but it's not available on amazon so interesting it's a different model and i wonder how that'll change things you know moving on moving forward i mean they're going to do more but and we've seen some previews of things oh i coming. mean if you want to talk about the next one i can talk about the next one i just don't know if we're done because i really want to talk about the next one but let's let's finish no, I th- talking I th- about this. i think there's you know i think there's i think there's more here so wait, Ryan, what did you, you, if you were on the fence last time, I remember Paul and I really liking the last one, you, what did you think about this one overall? Did, did it affect your opinion of the first one in any way? Or Yeah, what I said about the first one was that I'm less interested in the death of Superman story as I am in the reign of the Superman story. So mm-hmm. I was actively looking forward right. to this one, even though I was lukewarm on I the previous one. I remember saying that. And yeah, this was good. I mean, it hit a lot of it hit a lot of the beats that I wanted from this story. You know, I do like the idea of having four different Superman type people running around, each one kind of representing a different aspect of what makes Superman a compelling character. There are things about it I didn't didn't like as much. I don't think I'm in general as 
positive on it as either of you, but I definitely liked it and enjoyed watching it. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I, I think the I was, I think I was so high on that previous one because of the potential or the or the promise for this one because we'd seen that before we'd seen doomsday tons of times before and it's been in the comics multiple times even since then but reign of superman it's it's such a cool idea that superman's gone and then all of a sudden there are these four potential legacy holders or you know pretenders to that throne or whatever and like what are they up to where are they from like like what is their end game are they connected in any way? And it's, you know, I was looking back at some of the differences between what they do in this movie and with the original comics, you know, run and, and, and how that, you know, splayed out across the DC universe and having a streamlined version of that story. It's is really exciting because there's so much potential there and they cut a lot of the chaff. Mm hmm. Yeah. And are able to make more direct lines between things, and there's there's just some really compelling stuff like the like. Well, they the can idea. also they can also take elements of the continuity that have been retconned since and go ahead and introduce them as an organic part right. of the story, like yeah. like Luthor putting part of his DNA into Superboy. So you know that was something that wasn't revealed until revealed quote unquote wasn't made up until Jeff Johns took over the Teen Titans in like the early 2000s. But it makes a lot of sense for the characters to have done that in the moment, and so it's. Yes. I think it works better to just go ahead and acknowledge it at the beginning of the story. Sure. And it just it adds a it adds a fun dynamic between all three of those characters. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just like they they condense things into a like really sat in in a really satisfying way. Almost to the point it was like I I and I know that we had that post credit scene where they're mm-hmm. talking about okay we're gonna take it to apocalypse we're gonna go to dark and like finish this thing with Lex being involved. I'm excited to see what that is and like how that manifests itself i would like to see more of you know superboy and lex and super like their whole because by the end of this that he he's off at kent farm those those poor people have to, they keep having to raise clark's yeah. like clones <laughs> his and cast offs and like all yeah, i got a cousin I got, a, I got another kryptonian here all right yeah so it's it's like the Kent boarding house, whatever. I like the idea that they were like ready to go on like a European tour. Like they were all yes. their bags packed and he's like, Yeah, hey, I got another kid for you to raise. Here's a kid. He says slamming. Here here's Poochie. Please raise him for us. And so that's really interesting. And Lex presumably doesn't know where he is, but I'm sure would be interested to get him back. So that's something that I would like to see them follow up on. I don't yeah. know if they ever will, but I am interested in that. This movie leaves me with, you know, an interest in following, you know, what does Steel do next? Are you interested in Lex and his green and purple superhero outfit? Always. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Because that was Hello, part Max. of the post-credit sequence. Now, Rain Wilson, I think, is an inspired choice. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it always worked for me with this i like this version of lex though i i like this take on him where he's not so imperious as clancy brown's lex yeah he's a little bit of a twerp but i'm fascinated by this idea and they they don't really touch on it too much that like he basically he's so obsessed with superman he made a baby with him right basically yeah 
this is the son of Lex Luthor and Superman. And like there, I'm, I'm fascinated by the Lex Luthor psychology. The fact that he, he thinks he hates Superman, but he's actually like completely obsessed and, and, and jealous of him. And it's not just like the lowest stuff. It's, I think that, I think that's, you know, that's something that Paul Cornell did really interestingly with his action comics run where he had the robot Lois, Mm -hmm. right. Or like the clone Lois, but like, that's just, I don't know that that's just the trappings of Superman and Clark Kent. I think there's more going on there. And whenever they delve into that stuff and they do it a lot in these animated movies, um, I think that's fascinating. So there's just a lot of great character stuff in this movie basically is, is what we're saying. It's a very satisfying watch. And if I ever have the time in my life to watch them both, Back to back, I think it'd be very interesting to see. Maybe if they're both on the app, I'll just put them on in the background. Yeah, I mean, really impressive. Really, really impressive. You know, you, sometimes these come out, and you're like, ah, oh, that was all right. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, there was no point in this. Even stuff I didn't necessarily love, I was still impressed by the effort. Yeah, I wish they could do. They could have done like more of a uh, a comedy pass on this because like the, the jokes yeah. like all fall flat. But like otherwise, otherwise I really liked it. I think the first act is a bit shaky, mm-hmm. uh, and I said this on. Yes. on really, I on, felt like the final act was the shakiest. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I felt like I the animation quality changed, and it, it, the fight okay. was very anime influenced, which is not a bad thing. It's just a tonal shift that I wasn't expecting. Um, yeah. I I don't know. I thought I got more engaged as it yes, as it went on. Me as well. I mentioned this on uh, online. I said, now this this maybe says more about Superman as IP than it does about this movie. But I think this is one of the better Superman movies ever made. <laughs> I saw like, that. I mean, try to th- like, what is the competition really? I saw you post that before yeah. I actually sat down and watched the movie. And so I went into this with that in my head. Mm-hmm. Well, the competition would be Superman the movie. Right. And like, I can't think of yeah, no, anything I, else that this is top three for me. <laughs> and that's weird. Well, I, I mean, it's a good movie. But I, well, I, I say that because like, uh, I have all these misgivings about like, like, I think that I think this is like a draft away from being like real, but like part of it is just like, the ingredients are there. Like if they wanted to do this in live action with a different, I don't know, different producers and different, you know, directors involved than Mm -hmm. who are involved now. I mean, Henry Cavill is welcome to, to, you know, do this. (laughs) I don't know. I, I, I think this is just something about it was really refreshing and it just felt like it brought something new to the top tier of, Superman movies like it just, it just felt big it felt like a movie it did and I, and, I, and I felt it when Superman came back like it felt like it felt yeah it felt important it felt like a big deal and when he looked at his at his ship from yeah you know his, as the mullet was blowing in the wind as looked at it that was great but that just like random breeze <laughs> blows through the fortress of solitude and, and they did some sweet air guitar was that was when he got back to Metropolis? <laughs> yeah, when he when he arrived in Lois season, that was pretty good. We've been doing iFanboy so long that when we started, mullets were still an, a normal thing to see in the world. Really? Yeah. I mean, if you're not seeing them, you're just not going to the right flea markets, my friend. <laughs> so let's talk about the future. So as Paul mentioned, they're still doing these. There's a bunch on the slate, and I don't know if you guys do you know anything about the next one? No. At all. What, if, what is the next one? Couldn't tell you the title. 
Uh, what I normally do when I get the Blu-rays, I watch the featurette for the next one first, right? And then I watch the film. Oh, okay. Oh, you're saying you're saying you have a system in place? I have a system. I've got a whole thing ready to go. <laughs> pretty pretty shocked. I actually turned this one off in the middle because I didn't want to know any more about it. That's how interested I was in it. Oh, I don't know how much I want to tell you, other than the bare bones. It's Justice League vs. the Fatal Five. Okay, that, I saw a screen cap on my Twitter feed. And so, uh, and I was like, "Hey, that art style looks interesting." <laughs> Bruce Tim is back as a producer. Yeah, cool. They're using the Bruce Tim designs. It's Kevin Conroy, Susan Eisenberg, George Newbern as the Trinity. Ooh. But then, the rest of the team is totally different. So they, what they did was they said, "Well, why does it always have to be the same guys? Let's do a totally different Justice League team." So it's Mr. Terrific, it's Miss Martian, it's Starboy. And most interestingly, it was uh, Jessica Cruz's Green Lantern. Okay. I did hear, I heard something about that, yeah. It's a really interesting lineup, and Starboy's in it because the main villain, the Fatal Five, are, are Legion of Superheroes villains, so there's going to be some co- sort of connection to Legion of Superheroes in it. But just the stuff they showed, the voice cast, the animation, the interesting mix of characters, I, I immediately turned it off because I didn't want to know anymore. Huh. I'm already in. That's good. It looks terrific. And then we'll have Hush after that, and Paul and I will get to grumble about Hush. Now, oh, sure, right, I'm sure I'll okay. love it. <laughs> in, the, in the back of my my mind, okay, I remembered that they were doing Hush. No, I think there's been sort of a zeitgeist turnaround on, maybe not zeitgeist, but the discourse on Hush of late has been, hey, you know what? That's a really good like thing you can hand to somebody who hasn't read a Batman comic in a long time. Mm-hmm. And they'll really dig it. Like it's it's sort of like it, there's there's a bit of a greatest hits to it, and like I maybe don't like the central mystery to it, mm-hmm. but like you know you get it's it's what it's it, it's it's what people want. They're like it's, oh yeah, it's all all the, all those villains, and you get to see everybody on the page, and everybody gets their moment. And I don't want to be a snob who's like, hey, this is whatever. This is superficial. But you still don't. You still don't like it. Let's table it's, the I mean, hush not, discussion to the hush that. film. Okay, all right. I'm really excited for the Fatal Five film. There's, no, I didn't see a release date. It's usually there's usually the first one is around now, and the second one is usually mid year. But we'll see. You know, if they're gonna do hush, and that means I get my Bruce Tim weird thing with <laughs> Starboy in it. Cool. Yeah. So we enjoyed the film. Let's do the ratings on it. Oh no! Paul's I always forget part. about this. Ratings out of five. Ratings. It's fun for the people at home. Okay, out of five. I don't remember what I said for Death Superman, but I'm going to give this one four point two five. Okay. I'm going to give this one a three point seven five. If okay. we're going that granular. Sure. As granular as you want. Um, I think I am going to go 3.50. Interesting. All right. So if you have thoughts on Reign of Superman or even Death Superman or the whole, both of them together, if you saw, you know, if you were one of the people who saw it in the theaters, you can go talk about it at ifanboy.com. There'll be a post for the show as well as our weekly Pick of the Week show, which we talk about the weekly comics. As our other special edition shows are always out there. All of our podcasts are found on fanboy.com. And as I said before, we'll be back for Justice League versus the Fatal Five. I want to say the Elite Eight for some reason, but the Fatal Five 
whenever that comes out sometime later in the year I mean, if you take the Fatal Five and you add us, the animation brain trust, it could be the Elite Eight. There you go. Is that a March Madness thing? It's any kind of bracket. Okay. I think it started with them. I don't know. The point is, I don't know why it came out that way, but it almost did. So, until then, I will remain Connor. I'm Paul. And I am Ryan Haupt. Long hair, don't care. It's raining.